0: Um, you know, when you go to prayer and you're seeking God, He begins to bring all kinds of revelation and thoughts and and directions and and uh, you know I've I've I'm just so thankful that God meets us in prayer. And um, I've got my office back here where the young adults used to be, and I found a, a holy highway. Amen. <laughs> uh, actually, I call it a holy hallway. <laughs> Amen. And I come out of there, you know, the room's only so big and there's so much room, but I come and I'm just pacing up and down this hallway here. And I'm telling you, it's the presence of God will fall in that hallway. Amen. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But as I was praying, I mean there were so many thoughts that came across my mind and just messages and revelation and thoughts. And I couldn't write write them down fast enough, but the Lord has just kind of led me in this direction. Uh, out of the book of Luke, he told me. I asked him specifically, I want you to tell me where to read. And he said, start reading in Luke. And so I did, and and I've preached this before, but I believe God wants me to continue. There's something that he wants to say. And in Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 59, when you get there, say Amen. Luke 1 59. I meant to ask him to put the words up on the, I mean the scriptures up on the the PowerPoint, and if Jesse or whoever can do that, that's all right. If they can't, we don't hold grudges around here, so it's all right. But uh, but, uh, just for your sake to get there quicker, if it's possible, I know if you can do it for Pastor Ben, you can do it for me, man. <laughs> unless he's gone, and if he's gone, it's all right. But it says here in the Scripture in Luke 1, verse 59, it says, "And And it came to pass that on the eighth day, They came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And uh, they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was open. Zechariah, if you uh, read the story, you know, and we're going to allude to it here, how he went in, into... The, the temple and into the holy place, and he was met by an angel and given a promise, and he didn't believe it, and so the angel of the Lord said, you're going to be dumb until it takes place, you know, um, and there's, there's a, a second and third part to this. We're going to get to it, but sometimes God will just shut your mouth until you are ready to possess the promise, Amen. Are you hearing me? Because some people, they speak defeat before they can ever see God bring the promise to pass. And so sometimes, a lot of times, if not most of the time, we ought to be thankful that God just causes us to be silent. And, uh, and the way that He keeps us silent is that He, in some ways, keeps us at a place where... Uh, I don't want to say confusion because God's not the author of confusion, but there's a lot of unknowns and there's, we're waiting for the promise to come to pass. And, uh, and so you just, you're kind of at a place of bewilderment, but the Bible says that he said his name is John. And they marveled at him and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God and fear came on all that dwelt around about them and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country and Judea and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost And prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life and thou shalt, and thou child shalt be called the prophet of the, of the highest which John was for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Now, I just, I'm going to pray, but before I do, I just want to let you know that I'm kind of teaching tonight more, and I've entitled this teaching, His Name is John. His Name is John. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come and to teach the Word of God. This is our time to break off in our classes where we have our individual times. And God, I just feel like that you want me to teach on the will of God coming to pass and how that we, God, are participants in that and we must be participants in faith and in obedience. And so I pray for the anointing upon my life tonight that you will help me, give me strength, touch my body, and heal me in the name of Jesus. I thank you and I praise you tonight and everyone said amen now i'm teaching this and I, as i said the title of it is his name is john why is that so significant because john means god is gracious god is gracious that's what that means and what what if you look in the word of god any time there was a specific name given For a specific time or a specific instance, you will begin to see, or somebody that was born, uh, anytime someone was born, there was a name that was given that represented something. And we know that the New Testament was a time of God's grace. Everything that we receive from God is a grace from God. His love is gracious. The opportunity to pray is grace. The Holy Ghost is a grace. The Word of God is a grace. The power that God gives us to do what we cannot do on our own is His grace. And so this was a new time. It was a New Testament. It was a new dispensation. It It was a time when things were shifting and changing. And God spoke to my heart and said, We are living in the last days in a time where things are shifting and changing and we can be a part and be in the will of God to what he's doing here upon this earth or we can sit back in unbelief or on the sidelines and do nothing. And God said the people of God need to understand how that their life is so important to the will of God coming to pass. Your prayers are very important to God's purpose and plan coming to pass. Amen. It's very much important. And so don't think that you're insignificant. We all have, a, a, a you know, a part of being in the will of God and a part of that fabric Uh, You know, we're a thread in that fabric. We're not the whole fabric, but we're a thread in that. And he's the grand weaver, amen, that's weaving us into that fabric and that garment. And so, uh, but John means God is gracious. So that meant there's a time coming where things are beginning to shift and change. Now, there's a lot I want to teach, and it will take more than one message. But my central point that I want to make is this. God has a perfect will for our lives. Every one of us, he has a perfect will for our lives. And it's bigger and grander and far more eternal than we even realize. I want you to get that. And like Zacharias, it's going to take faith and obedience to see God's will come to pass. That's why Jesus taught when you pray, pray thy will be done. Because I can tell you it takes prayer and faith to believe God and to Bring about His perfect will. Amen? Thy will be done. And when you pray that, you need to pray, Lord, let me get in line with your will so that, you know, it comes to pass like you want it to with me in the midst of it because we are part of of the will of God coming to pass. So that's why Jesus taught that thy will be done. Every one of us, just like Christ, is going to have our Garden of Gethsemane moment and it will prove if we are faithful and obedient to his will. When we went to Israel, our tour guide I don't know if it was Whenever we went as a church Or whenever I went uh, With Pastor Duke And all of them that went That was when we all went With Pastor Duke Didn't you remember You that went Because I remember Pastor Duke being there That's why And the, the tour guide said No I, I Whichever time It doesn't matter We were at the Garden of Gethsemane And he said At this point He said At this point Jesus could have he, he, was at a, he was at a point where he was going to make a decision in this garden. He could have headed for the hills or he was heading to the cross of Calvary. It was one or the other. And he was at that place where I'm, I'm going to be in the will of God or am I going to go in my own will. And and everybody can say, well, he was God. He was born to do that. It's impossible that he couldn't have. Church, I've come to tell you today that that the, the, the enemy tempted him in the wilderness. He was, he was brought to that place of decision in the garden. And he even said with his own mouth, he said, because he was very human, and, and and he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. We're all brought to that place, and Jesus is our greatest example. He was brought to a place of temptation, and, and, and he passed the test, and we're called to be in the will of God, and we've got to pray, thy will be done, and we've got to die to our will so his will can come to pass and so it will prove whether we see past what's before us why am I saying that because because listen when Christ was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said if it's possible let this cup pass from me but nevertheless not my will but thy will be done what he was saying is you have a will and your will is for me to go to the cross the cross has a a suffering, it has a brutality about it, it's savage, it's horrible what's going to have to happen, but there's going to be a result that's going to come from that. He said except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it'll never spring up and except our will die, God will never bring something fruitful in our lives but church, Jesus saw past the suffering listen, Hebrews 12 says, who for the joy that was Set before him. The joy that was set before him was the approval of the Father we read it in the Hebrews and I want to just read it because I don't want to skip anything but it says wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run this race with patience looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross a man despised the shame he seated at the right hand of the father so the joy that was set before him was the approval of God the father that I finished my course I finished what I was what I came to do the joy of that was set before him was our rescued redeemed life are you hearing me you and I was the joy that was set before him because he saw Delia one day that was going to be saved in serving God he saw Jess one day that was going to be saved in serving God he saw an Evie that was going to be saved in serving God he saw Gabe, he saw Peter, amen, he saw Mama Andrea, he saw Tom Burbridge, he saw us we were the joy that was set before him so he says who for the joy that was set before him was the approval of the Father, the joy of our rescued, redeemed life, the joy of conquering death, hell, the devil, and the demise that was set out to destroy us. He went and endured the cross. He saw past the suffering of the cross, and he saw us. So, if we're going to see the will of God come to pass in our life, We have to get in line with the will of God. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But we have to see past what's right in front of us your life is more than worrying about your rent being paid and your car payment being paid and is the government's going to be uh, you know are we going to be secure next month or are we going to have this or that or all of our petty little problems and I call them petty because eternity's forever this life is but a vapor they're just menial things here upon this earth but we get so caught up and I know it's important I know we need food on the table but let me ask you this didn't everybody eat today didn't everybody go to work today for the most part every Everybody's life went on. God has taken care of us. Our air conditioners work. Our cars work. Our food is on the table. We got clothes on our back. We got more clothes and more shoes and more everything than we need. God is taking care of us. We have to see beyond just right what's before us. Now I'm going somewhere, so stay here. Zechariah had to learn and see beyond what was right before him. Just like Hannah had to. She had to see that God's not birthing a Samuel just because I want a baby. He's birthing a judge. He's birthing a prophet. He's birthing a, a, a deliverer. He's birthing a man of God that's going to see the nation come into its, its it, the, the will of God and come to fruition what God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, he's, that's why he birthed a Samuel. He said, I'm going to raise up a, a, a king. I'm going, to, I'm going to raise up a, a priest. Uh, I'm going to raise up somebody that's going to be my mouthpiece and going to be a leader. And it was birthed from Hannah and her prayer life. What she wanted was a man child, but what God wanted was a leader. Zechariah wanted a boy, but God wanted a forerunner. Amen. He had to learn and see what was beyond right before him. He had to see what God's eternal purpose was in John. And what's that? Verses 13 through 17. In Luke chapter 1. This is what it says. Now he goes into the temple. And the Bible says that as he's, he's burning the incense. And, 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 and doing the, the, the part of the incense of prayer. An angel of the Lord pops up. Right there. Amen. You know, we're always wanting God to visit us, and then he does, and we, go, we get spooked. I've asked God to meet me and come, encounter. I want an encounter with you. And there have been times He didn't, and I thought, Lord, whoo, this is getting a little heavy in here. Amen. I can tell you, when the presence of God comes into your presence, or, he, or you, you come into his presence, or he begins to walk into your presence... You take your shoes off or you're on holy ground. You're prostrate on the floor. You're you're, you're out before the Lord. You know, there have been times I felt the presence of God so powerfully. I wanted to crawl underneath the chairs. I can tell you, we can't stand in His presence and live. But the Bible says in verse 13, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He's got a ministry He's got a life that he's supposed to live. He's got a standard. He's got a purpose in the will of God. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him, the spirit, talking about Christ. He shall go before Christ in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now why did I say that? Because John had a purpose in the will of God. He was the forerunner to Jesus. He was the fulfillment of prophecy. I'm not going to bring it out but you can read it on your own time. Malachi 3 verses 1 and 2 talks about how that there was going to be a messenger that was going to come with a message. He was going to be the forerunner. It's all right there, but just for the sake of time, I'll move on and say that John fulfilled prophecy and he also fulfilled the purpose of being the forerunner to Jesus. His prayer. Zachariah's prayer was more than just a desire for a baby boy. God had something greater than that in the will of God. And I'm sharing that with you because sometimes we get caught up with just what's right before us and we don't see that God has a far, far, uh, you know, further view and things planned out and mapped out that we didn't even realize. I told Pastor Ben. I said, if the Lord tarries, I said, you know, I said, God is revealing to me and showing me that perhaps my children and my children's children will be the ones, if the Lord tarries, that will fulfill the perfect will of God in this city. I know that I'm going to be a a part of it, but, you know, um, they're much younger and they've got a whole lot more years left to work for the Lord. I know I'm only 50, but I can tell you right now that, you know, I've, got, I've, got, I've still got some miles left in me. Praise the Lord. But I'm not going to quit and give up. But when he stood up here and said that our ceiling is the beginning place, starting point for our children, for the second generation, our ceiling, our kids step on top of that and they go further. Solomon stepped on top of the ceiling and the foundation that David had sown to for years, and he began to take it further and enter into a a time where he built the the temple and all of its beauty and all of its splendor, and the Shekinah glory fell like it had never been notated before to fall. I know in Moses' time, but in David's time, it had never fallen like that. What Ben was saying is that where we end, our kids will go further, amen so just know this everything that you've ever been through was a preparation and you're in the will of God going through it but your kids are going to stand on top of that and they're going to take it to the next level and they're going to see God move in a greater way and I hope to shout that they don't Draw back unto perdition or draw back from the will of God because it's happened. Even Solomon got caught up. He had some problems, about 900 of them to be exact. But let me just say to you tonight that our ceiling, folks, our first generation ceiling, our kids will be on top of that. And they'll go further. Amen. I heard old Francis. She's not in here, is she? I heard old Francis up here praying, seeking God. And I said, I watched your mom for years pray. I know she's a prayer warrior. I know she cries out to God. And I said, just watching you travail in the spirit, watching you up there, I said, you took that anointing and you're running with it. Amen. And Lisa, she'll do way more than we ever could in our lifetime because they have a foundation and they're in the will of god they're very privy to the will of god and to what god has you know they don't have to go through all the quagmire that we had to go through to get there come on now Praise God they didn't have to go through all that stuff to get there They didn't have to go through all the You know the, the broken downness And all the trials And I mean they're going to go through trials and tests but, but all the disobedience And the years we didn't serve God They're going to stand on that foundation And they're going to have a head start Zechariah Was a man of God I can tell you, John the Baptist excelled that. You hear me? He knew a grace and ex- understood a grace and was used in a call and a ministry of grace that Zechariah never knew, never experienced. Maybe he knew it, but he didn't, he didn't operate in it like John the Baptist did. So, his prayer was more than just a desire for a baby boy. He didn't realize that. A lot of times we want to see and know the will of God, and God gives us just so much. It's like looking through a knot hole in a fence, and you see you're looking through there, and you're like, man, I see a trumpet player, and, and I see a bunch of fur, and, and I see it looks like a, a brass horn, and I'm looking at fur, and I don't know what's going on over there. And you're looking, and you, all of a sudden you see what looks like another instrument, but you can't make it out. What you didn't realize is that God only allows us to see so much through that knot hole. But if you stand up and you look over the fence, you're like, oh, it's a marching band. I get it. But only what I could see. And God only allows us to see so much. I believe Now, He reveals things. I'm not saying that He doesn't reveal the whole big picture sometimes to people as we pray, but sometimes we're wondering, God, where are we going? What are we doing? What's the plan here? And the Lord says, just keep believing Me. Just keep doing what you're doing because you're in the will of God. You're bringing about the will of God, and even though you don't see what's on the other side of that fence, you don't know everything that God knows, and He doesn't reveal everything. There's some people that think they know everything, but they don't. Amen. You know? But it looks like a trumpet player. It looks like a a a trombone player. And you look over that fence, and it's a marching band. It's more than just one thing. There's so many things going on. We aren't privy to all of God's will. And He doesn't always reveal the big picture. But I have found in life and ministry to just walk faithful and obedient And you will walk into God's perfect will. You will. You will. Now Zacharias responded to the word of God from the angel Gabriel in unbelief. What did he say? In verse 18, the Bible says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel Gabriel. That stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. I want you to get that right there. God has a will. And he wants to see it fulfilled and it will be fulfilled in its season. And you and I have to believe him and not live in unbelief. Or you won't have that word of testimony and joy. Can you imagine if he would have said, I believe. I accept it. I believe it. But he didn't. He said, how is this possible? Don't you know I'm almost 100 Amen. Let me say, the devil works hard to bring disbelief, unbelief, and doubt to discourage our faith. And what God has spoken to us, God has spoken it to you. Spoken it. You know, when we started this church, God told me where it was going to start. He told me the church we were going to rent. But do you know, even though we started the church, I didn't go there and ask them at first. I went down to the Heritage Inn and I started in a banquet room down at the hotel off of Imperial and Harbor. And we were starting there. And I remember I had told my pastor, I said, this is where God's telling us to start. And he said, why are you down there at Heritage Inn? Well, there was a lot of things that I did. God told me to do it specifically this way. And, you know, we're always trying to help God out. So not only did I go down to the, to the Heritage Inn, but I also tried to join an organization because somebody told me it'll benefit you. Maybe they'll give you a church and maybe this. But that wasn't God's will. His will was for us to start there for a reason and a purpose because he knew that they were going to charge me $1,000 a month that I didn't have and I had to believe God for that. And a man that I didn't know brought the check after we prayed and sought God for days and God answered because he knew if I make it easy for Skiles, he'll never learn any lessons. He'll go through life and just... You know, expect things to just happen without any trusting, without any believing, without fasting and praying, without paying the price. And church, I want to tell you something. Nobody, nobody, nobody does anything for the kingdom of God that does not pay the price and go through the school of the wilderness and go through the times where you feel alone and you got to trust God for everything. Nobody has a marriage that they don't invest in. You hear me? Nobody has children that serve God that they don't go through that time where they've invested in them and paid the price and prayed them through prayed them through trials and tests prayed them through the dark times of their life nobody has anything that they haven't paid the price for in their life spiritually nobody you hear me so Zechariah is brought to this place where he's discouraged or he's in disbelief and unbelief I'm too old I can't do it God always allows these moments of impossible situations to bring miracles to pass yes The enemy comes with disobedience or uh, with unbelief. He comes to try to squelch our faith and squelch our trust and our dependence upon God and the hope that it can take place. But God allows those things because you're going to break through that or you're going to live in a place of defeat and never see God move. How do you know that, Pastor? Because God brought the children of Israel to the Red Sea. He led them there. And yeah, the devil was behind them. And the Red Sea's in front of them. But God brought them to that place to trust God, to see him move. And he told Moses, tell them, stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. And he put that rod over the Red Sea and it parted. And God blew a hole through that Red Sea and they walked over on dry ground. God brings us to that place so that we see miracles come to pass. Impossible situations. Have you ever had an impossible situation and you prayed it through to see God bring it to pass? I know you have, Delia. I know my wife Angela and I have. I know there's people sitting in this room. You've believed God. Everything when Adrian was going to go down to Juarez and get his his papers, and he paid the price. He went through all of the requirements that they asked. But I remember him standing here, and he's standing there, and he's praying, and he's trusting God. Of course, the devil's screaming in his ear. You're going to go down there, and you're going to get stuck down there. They're not going to give you the papers. I know people that went down there, and they didn't make it back. They didn't. I can tell you right now, everything was screaming. But the will of God is what God told him And he had that purposed in his heart And guess what happened He trusted God and he prayed It was probably the longest several months of his life Waiting for that call to go down there And then crossing over into Mexico And knowing that I am at the hands of these people But God was in the middle of it It made something in you, brother. It did something in you. It does something to you. Amen. It does something to you. Almighty God. I got to move on here. Those Red Sea moments. Those loaves and fish moments. Those Lazarus raising moments. God waited until they were physically Too old to bring alive alive a barren womb. Can you imagine that? She's old. Elizabeth's old. Zachariah's old. And I'm sure Zachariah and Elizabeth felt, what's wrong with us? Why hasn't God given us a child up to this point? I'm sure there were talkers and chatterers that were judging and making comments. You know, there's something wrong in their life. They've done something He may be a priest. But he's done something that God has shut up her womb. Here they are. They're almost 100 years old and don't have any children. I want you to know today, we may feel like nothing's happening. We may feel like, God, where are you at? I want to share something with you tonight. In the will of God, we're going to go through the trials. We're going to have to trust him and believe him. And we're going to come to those moments where it's do or die. We're going to have to believe God. He brings us to that place. But those are the times when the greatest miracles happen and, and my word for you tonight if you're there and you're saying I feel like it's nothing's happening in my life nothing's going right I'm fighting against everything my word to you is don't give up on the brink of a miracle keep on praying you know what I'm just going to say this tonight There's a lot of preachers that will say a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you something about your pastor. I've lived it. I'm not saying something I don't know what I'm talking about. I've lived it when I've had to trust God and there was no money to pay the rent. I've lived it when I didn't have any food in my cupboard and I had to trust God. I've lived it whenever 45 people got up and walked out the door at one time. I've lived it. I've been there whenever I was crying on my face and saying, God, how are we going to pay the rent? And pleading with God and fasting and seeking God. And I laid there and I poured out my heart. I gave everything I had in prayer. And God brought the miracle of a, of somebody bringing in the check to pay the rent. I've been there. I've done that. But you know, sometimes I don't always say it so eloquently or so charismatically and it doesn't come out. But I'm going to tell you, I've been there and I've done that and I never forgot it I know what it takes to believe God I know what it takes whenever he spoke something to your heart and you're in the will of God and you just got to keep on walking keep on trusting I've been there so let me just tell you something I may not be the shiniest shiniest brightest you know voice or or uh, demonstration of preaching to share that with you there may be other people that can say it better than I can say it But I promise you this. There's a testimony, a weighty testimony behind what I'm speaking to you tonight. Because I've lived it. I went through it. We may feel... What is going on, God? My my word to you is don't give up on the brink of your miracle. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because it may be that moment of your breakthrough. I want to share something with you. Let me give you some scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. Can you go there for me, Jesse? 1 Thessalonians 5. One and two. Why can I not give up on the brink of a miracle? Well, first of all, because you're not going to see your miracle come to pass. But you don't want to give up when you're right there at that place where God is getting ready to open up the windows of heaven and answer your prayer. Can you imagine running this race? And you're that close to the finish line and you stop. You hear me? You stop. You just quit. Let me read something to you. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, and I want you to remember that times and seasons, we have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That's all I want to say, because I want to talk about times and seasons for just a moment. It was a season for Zechariah. It was a season that he had to seize in that moment. For just a moment, when that building opened up in front, the price tag sent me, took, the, took my breath away. I said, Lord, for years, you know, We've paid the rent here and all of that. But here I am. And, and we're looking at almost double what we're paying in rent. And, you know, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, it's our building. We're taking it. And I'm, I'm over here going, okay, I'm the one in here that has to sign my name on the line. Yeah, I'm on the lease. Okay. You all may get upset and say, I'm not going to back his ministry anymore. We're going down the road to some other church. And guess who still has a lease they have to pay? Me. Okay. You know. So I'm sitting there and I'm counting the cost, and God said, "This ain't the first time you've ever been here where you've had to trust me for something." And He reminded me, "Have I ever not paid the rent?" I said, "Never in 22 years, 21 years." He said, "I don't intend on not." But still, you're 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 sweating. You're sharpening your pencil. You're getting out your calculator and you're going, <laughs> "Don't tell me that you're not." If you, if I told you how much it costs, you would probably go. <gasps> How do we do it, God? There's no other way. (laughs) It's God. People send checks through the mail. We we got two checks yesterday. People send checks that don't even go to this church. There have been times that that, uh, we got a little letter in the mail and I opened it up and it was $3,000. I said, Lord, it's just what we needed to make the rest of the rent. God takes care of it. Miraculously. That's the kind of God we serve. But Getting back to this, let me go back here. Times and seasons. I want to give you a nugget in the word of God. Very quickly, times in the strongs is chronos, chronological times. Seasons is kairos or Karios. One is chronological. One, which is times, whenever he says times. The other is seasons, which is a convenient moment. It's a moment of opportunity. When God sees the moment of opportunity, when He wants to come back to this earth, He will. There are chronological things that God does, and and for the most part, He doesn't divert from that. But then there are seasons where you and I, amen, you and I must be in, in alignment in the moment with the opportunity when God is moving and we're there and every I, I like to say this but it's not really a good analogy but I always say when the planets align when everything just seems to be right in perfect order boom it happens. God does that. You hear me? He does that. And so Zechariah. Had a moment. I'm preaching about the will of God, God's grace. His grace helps us to act whenever the opportunity arises. Now listen, chronological is times. It's 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 it doesn't change, but seasons. It's a convenient moment. It's a moment of opportunity. There are things God chronologically plans. And then there are moments where I believe obedience and faith connects with God's divine opportunity. Zachariah had, I believe, a kairos or a season moment. A moment whenever he had to act and believe and even though he was you know lacking in that God still moved upon his life and he said i'm not going to let you speak defeat are you getting what i'm saying because the commentary says that when zacharias moment to come to be the priest he was chosen by lot this is so important he was chosen by lot In other words, they cast lots. It was a lottery. And he won the lottery. They said out of 20,000, perhaps 20,000 priests came because everybody wanted to be that guy that went into the Holy of Holies. They wanted to be that person as a priest. Every preacher wants to get behind the pulpit. You hear me? Preachers want to preach, amen. They want to preach. You know tonight, (laughs) I thought. You know I was told Cameron just do too fast and too slow, amen. Well, he just wound up. He's just flowing, the fire of the Holy Ghost. I thought, Lord, we're just going to have to go with it. Amen. Let's let the Spirit of God move, you know. We may just have an all-worship service. I don't know, but he's, he's excited because that's what's in him. And every worship leader wants that. Every preacher wants that moment. You know, every singer, they want that moment. Amen. This is my time to get out there and worship God. Some are performers. We're not talking about those, but people that really want to be used of God. Everybody wants that moment. 20,000 priests possibly for that one opportunity and that lot fell on Zechariah. God had a moment, a season. And now, Zachariah, it's your time, buddy, to step into that in faith. That's huge. So what does that say about you and I? We need to be so in tune and so in line with God in faithfulness and in prayer Because we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then there comes a moment when the person that we prayed for comes to church and we didn't show up that night. You know that person that you've been praying for that you put on the group text that everybody's been praying for and we've been praying for six months and they finally walked through the door tonight and you decided to stay home and watch the game. You missed the greatest opportunity. For you get what I'm saying? There was a moment and Zachariah was picked, and in the will of God, God moved, God's perfect will crossed with Zacharias perfect opportunity and obedience. It was God's place, God's time. And I said that to say this concerning God's will. Scripture tells us that they had prayed. Him and Elizabeth had prayed for a son in verse 13. And God heard, and, and he said, Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. That tells us there is a point in the will of God when prayer is answered. Revelation 8, 3-4 tells us that our prayers are stored and held and then they're answered. So don't stop praying. Keep praying because the will of God taking place in your life is whenever you've prayed and sought God and there's a bowl, a vial in heaven where those prayers are being held and at one moment God's going to pour them out. In fact, he says they'll be thrown down. You may say, Pastor, that's not what that means. Well, I'm doing the preaching tonight. And I'm looking at it from a practical point of view. The The bowl of all the prayers are here. And they're, they've been prayed, and they just continue to be deposited and deposited, and they're held. And at some point, I believe there's a tipping point, and God just says, pour it out, and it's a right opportunity, a right time. And when, when opportunity meets the will of God and the power of God, oh my goodness, everything takes place. A 90-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife, or ever how old they were, stricken in age, have a baby. And God... God says it's more than just that. But you were walking in the will of God and God brought about His perfect will. He brought about that which was eternal, that which was beyond what was right before you. Oh, y'all aren't excited tonight. Either I'm not preaching it well enough or you're just tired. <sighs> Listen. The will of God is contingent coming to pass I'm going to tell you right now on you and me oh God moves in spite of that I'm going to tell you if you don't move he'll step over and find somebody else that will when Elijah was sitting under that juniper tree I remember Brother Clendenin preaching it Oh, almost broke my heart because everybody loves Elijah man of like passions you know Shut up, heaven. didn't rain. He walked with God. He stood in the face, a man of Ahab. He said, you trouble in Israel. He said, no, you're the troubler, buddy. You and your wicked wife. Your Jezebel wife. (laughs) There came a point when he saw fire come down from heaven. That fire fell from heaven at Mount Carmel. He killed 400 witches. Oh, yeah. Witchcraft is something that God looks on with great disdain and hatred and abomination in the Bible. Amen. You hear me. He does. He said, suffer not a witch to live. I'm going to tell you. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God hates witchcraft. He hates sorcery. He hates tarot card reading. He hates horoscopes. I've had people, you know, know, they think that's, no, it's witchcraft. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Anything that's not of God is witchcraft. Ouija boards are witchcraft. Tarot cards are witchcraft. Horoscope is witchcraft. Going and seeing a psychic is witchcraft. I had somebody, you know, in my family that said, you know, somebody from the dead came and visited somebody in the family. I said, it's demonic, it's witchcraft. It's, 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 uh, it's what the Bible calls, um, uh, oh, my goodness, necromancer. That's what it is. Thank you, Jesus. Necromancer. I said, all of it God hates. He hates it. <laughs> it's demonic. There was a tipping point. Prayer is poured out. God moves. Getting back to Elijah, I had to find my point here again, my mind. Elijah takes off a running. Because Jezebel said, you'll be dead by tomorrow, buddy. So he took off running. He's sitting under that juniper tree. You know, I'm not so convinced that he was afraid of Jezebel as much as he was discouraged because all of the people of Israel didn't just rally together in revival. Can you imagine seeing this great move of God and then Israel going, it disturbed him? So he's sitting under that juniper tree. Got a wicked woman chasing after him or sending people after him. Got a church that never got revived when they saw one of the greatest moves of God. And now he's sitting under the juniper tree. And Brother Clinton used to say, he told him. Go on down there and anoint your replacement. That's exactly what he said. If we don't act in the will of God and obey him, he'll find somebody else. There have been times I've laid in my office and just had my pity party and all of this with God. And he said, do you want me to have somebody else stand up and take your job? Because I've got a replacement for you. You're not indispensable, Skiles." Now, God didn't talk to me just like that, but he let me know. He let me know. Get up. Stand in faith. Trust me. Believe me. And go on. Okay? I called you because I know you're built for this. You can do it. Get up. I wouldn't call a failure. I didn't call you to be in defeat. Don't you let the devil get you under a juniper tree. You move on in God. The will of God requires that we... Cooperate with God. And when the Spirit of God falls in our life and before us, and He gives us a promise, we've got to believe Him. Zachariah was watching the will of God come to pass, and he didn't even realize the future of what God really had in store. John the Baptist, 30 years later, the forerunner to Christ. Church, I want to tell you something God has a will for our lives. And we may not understand it always, but all he's asking you and I to do is walk faithfully. Walk faithfully, walk faithfully, walk faithfully. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful to hear the voice of God. Be faithful in your attendance. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. Because there, there is benefits and blessings and fruit that comes from that. There are going to be people that are going to follow your lead. They're watching your life. Okay, and they're part of the will of God coming to pass. They're the second generation. They're the fruit of your life. Okay, but I just want to encourage you tonight. He said, call his name John, because God is graciously going to move in your life and on your behalf. And you're going to get blessed. But what you don't realize is that future down the road, God's going to use him in such a mighty way. Mighty God. What if Zechariah had stopped praying? And I want to stop there because I don't want to give away the next points, but close with saying that God's fulfillment of his will is most definitely wrapped up in willing believers and participants according to his will. Our desires are truly his when it concerns the kingdom. And the souls of men. Did he not say, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart? Your desires are his desires. He put them there. I was praying in nineteen ninety nine. I shared this with Sister Scouts the other day. I was praying. And I went over to to Family Bible Church. Steve Jones is the pastor behind the old vine. And I asked him, I said, Can I use a Sunday school room? I just want to pray. He said, absolutely, he gave me a key. I'd go up there at that second level, go into one of them rooms, and I would pray for months, months, months. I was just praying, just praying, just praying for my life, my church, praying for my family, praying for lost levels. But, you know, in the midst of that, God began to cause me to pray for the city of La Hobra. I started crying out to God for La Hobra. Then God started giving me a burden for La Hobra. And then in the midst of that burden for La Habra, I was crying out to God. I was praying and seeking God. And then the next thing I know, months later, God called me out of a prayer meeting and said, you're going to start a church in La Habra. What started is just being faithfully in the will of God praying. God brought about something greater that I never even imagined was going to happen. And here we are today. Father, I thank you tonight for the word. And I ask you, Lord, tonight to let it sink down deep. I pray that I said something, God, that encouraged each and every one, that ministered to them. It's not easy sometimes to preach these things, but, Lord, uh, to articulate, but, Lord, I'm grateful that you helped me and that there was something that was said that ministered to this congregation. We want to be in your will. Let us not be discouraged In the process, please, let us not be discouraged in the process. I guess that's what I really wanted to say tonight, Lord, but let us continue believing you, not in unbelief, but believing you. Because, Lord, we want to see your perfect will come to pass in our life and in our church and our families. We want our loved ones to be saved, our grandchildren, our children, our, our family members be saved, our marriages put back together, Lord, that are broken. God, our children that are away, we want to see them come back to you. God, we want to see the multitudes of people that are lost and undone out there in the streets, Lord, to come to you. We want that, Lord. And I pray that the will of God come to pass. And, Lord, that we will line up to your perfect will and be obedient, Lord. And I thank you tonight. And I pray your blessing upon each and every one that's here. Cover us, protect us. And, God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go tonight, church.